Today we are continuing, it's a pretty lengthy series, once or twice a year we kind of expand the series a little bit longer and we spend more time and today is part five of a series that we've called Life Hacks and we just simply said that a life hack is a proverbial truth that simplifies complicated issues. When you meet somebody and says, hey, do this and not that, they give you just a little bit of wisdom and that wisdom really helps you to succeed rather than going round and round and round trying to figure it out again. Aren't you glad that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Amen, everybody, right? That somebody went forward and said, that really stinks. Don't do that. Try this. We find most of our life hacks out of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 1 says it this way. So these Proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. So even if you feel like, man, I've got some years of experience. I've tried a few things. I've done a few things. One of our values around here is that we just keep on growing. We keep, keep growing wiser. We keep putting energy into specific areas that we really need to grow in. And I believe the, the Bible is just filled with life hacks. And so today, today we're going to talk about life, this simple life hack on how to parent on purpose, how to parent on purpose. Now, there's a bunch of you in here that you, you're, you're kind of past the parenting stage. You're in the grand parenting stage. And uh, the, the way my parents say it, that God's gift for not killing your children is grandchildren, all right? So we've got some that have moved through. we got some, like myself, that are right in the throes of it. I've got a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old. Somebody stretch your hands this way and pray for your pastor right now. You're like, my kids are amazing. Love them. Love, they love God. They love serving the church. And I'm just holding on for dear life some days. And they got some of you guys that hadn't even started the journey yet. You're like, I don't even know. Is this going to apply to me? Yeah, yeah. It's going to apply to you because there's some, maybe some things you can work on for you to get ready. And then I also just want you to know that a message on parenting helps you to be a part of the family because the last thing you want to be is that cousin that's giving bad parenting advice. Come on, somebody, right? You ever had a friend down the block that's like, it's okay for them to drink at 15? No, it's not, right? Any parent in here ever wanted to choke that parent? Come on now. Can I say that? I did. (laughs) And, And so if you're new to the whole idea and you say, well, this message really isn't for me, well, there's a likelihood at some point that you're going to help in the process or you're going to be in the process. And the earlier you learn to work on and to be a part of the family, the healthier, the healthier we're going to be. Because I always say it this way, God's answer to our individual family problems was to create a bigger family he called the church. And so if you're looking for relationships and you're looking for help, it happens in the family. But I tell you, there is nothing more, nothing more challenging than parenting. There is nothing more fulfilling and more challenging than parenting. When my, my son came out of the womb, it was, it was a pretty quick moment. We got to the, got to the hospital kind of late. He came out. He had the biggest cone head. Come on, everybody, right? Come on, can I be honest with you? He's so handsome now. He looks just like me. <laughs> Didn't need to laugh so hard. 
But I tell you, when he came out of the womb, it was just like we were like Lion King, full song, a wee moe, a wee moe, like in the jungle. The, I like I had my man child, you know, like I was so excited. And and can I tell you, the, the first time he fell down, the first time he cried, come on, middle of the night moms, where you at, right? Middle of the night moms, right? Right. That, that first cry, you like up and is he okay? <laughs> we tried to do this thing like co-sleeping where we had a little bed next to the bed. And every time he didn't breathe correctly, we were like. Second child showed up, we were like, ah, she'll be fine. <laughs> Parenting is one of the most fulfilling things and one of the most challenging things you can do. And so for, for just a little bit of fun, I brought you three pictures of like complete parenting fails. Can I show you these, right? Uh, put, the fir- put the first one up there. The first one is, this is what every mom has done. Forgot the child was behind the door to get the child in. Come on, completely. <laughs> you know that's going to bruise, right? <laughs> Here's the second one. This is a classic dad right here, right? <laughs> that makes me laugh because I have licked some things off of my children before. <laughs> my other, my, my third, this is a parenting film. But throw the third one up there. This is like family photos. <laughs> We're going to swing her, right? We're, we're going to walk, and there she went. <laughs> Children are very resilient, y'all. They are. Thank God that they are. Parenting is, is one of the most fulfilling and most, one of the most challenging parts of our lives. But I just want to say to you today that no matter where you are in the process, you know that there was a perfect father who created the most perfect environment for two children. It was beautiful. They had everything they need. That was called the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And even the most perfect parent in the most perfect situation, if God's kids can still mess it up, so can ours. Amen, everybody, right? So I just want to give you a little bit of grace. Like even when you do everything, like I did it right. When your kids do it great, us parents, we like, come on, chest up. We're like, look, look at my kid over there. He's doing good. And when they act like children, we feel like failures. But can I just say the reason God gave them to us is because they're children. Because they need us in their lives. And so today I want to take time to really teach you this life hack comes from Proverbs 22 and 6. Some of you are familiar with it. It's a new way of saying the same thing. It says, train children to live in the, come on, say, in the right way. And when they are old, they will not stray from it. And my brief experience with this, that sometimes there's a little bit of straying in the middle. Come on, parents, where you at, right? That when you train them in the beginning, sometimes they feel like anybody here tried out some things you wish you would not have tried. Come on, wave something at me, right? Thank you for the three of you who have been honest in church. The rest of you should be up here teaching us. We've all been told things that we knew, oh, should have done that, should have done that. And then we said, no, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to figure it out on my own. And then what you figured out is they were right. And it's the words that we hate to say. I, I hated when, when my parents would come in and, and they would try not to say, I told you so. And I tried not to say you were right. <laughs> the reality is that, that we, we all face challenges 
We all need to grow in this arena and we can work together. And so I want to take some time to actually teach you how to do this. This would be a great time to grab the worship guide that's right in front of you. And there's a blank area in the middle for, for taking some notes. I'm going to be really practical today and I'm going to move quickly. But I want to, I want to teach you some things about parenting on purpose rather than parenting on accident. I want to help you to parent on purpose. And if you're going to do that well, write it down with me. Number one, you're going to need to start with a plan. You need to start with a plan. And uh, most of us uh, are, you know, like, I'll just wing it. Listen, there are people who have gone before you who have figured out some things. I'm thankful that my parents had six children because it, it, it really made it clear to me that I wanted to start with a plan that did not involve six children. I set a cap. I'm like 50% of my parents' success maximum, right? 50%. If six was success, I'm like three's my limit, right? And my, my parents and, and my wife's grandparent, he, you know, uh, he would always come in when Amber and I first got married. He'd always come in and say, like, when, when are y'all, I want, you know, we're the first to get married on that side for her grandfather. When, when are y'all going to have children? When are you going to have children? And we used to say, Papa, we're practicing right now. <laughs> when we're ready. And he would turn red and he would shut up, okay? You need a plan, and there are some things that you should know. So take some extra notes. Here's a plan to start with. And age zero to five, you want to work on disciplining them to respect, honor, and obey authority. In these early years, you should be pretty stern, pretty strong, setting boundaries because you've got to keep them alive. Listen, when they're going to put the fork in the light socket, you need to be stern. When they're going to run into the street, you need to help them to realize that a little bit of pain on this side associated with running in the street is going to keep them from dying in the street, y'all. So zero to five, you got to kind of start with this, like we're going to, we're going to establish discipline and respect. I'm going to be a little strong. My no means no. My yes means yes. We call it first time obedience. We, we don't do the three, do it one more time. Two, do it, do it one more time. One, we're kind of old school. If I said it, you did it. And if you didn't do it, then there was a consequence appropriate to that. Some of y'all say, well, pastor, that's strong. Listen, in that age range, you're teaching them respect, honor, obey. And there's a whole generation of young people today that don't understand respect, honor, and obey. And they're struggling to respect, honor, and obey God because we never as parents taught them to respect, honor, and obey us. As a parent, we're the representative for God in your home. And so if you want a teenager that respects God, zero to five, you're going to have to crank it down a little bit, right? Proverbs 13 and 24 says, if you do not punish your children, you do not, oh my gosh, you do not love them. But if you love your children, you will correct them. So we've said the opposite in our society. I love them, so I'm just going to let them be. No, 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 no. Don't let them be. You love them, get up all in their business. Come on, somebody, right? So that's zero to five. I could spend a whole lot of time just talking about that. But let me just say this. Effective discipline uses the accelerator more than the brake. What do I mean by that? Effective discipline says do this, not that. My son Caleb, when he was really young, he loved to jump all over everything. He loved to jump off the deck. And there was one side of our deck that was really high. And he was likely to break a bone if he went off that side, right? But there was another side that if he got off was perfectly fine. And so instead of saying, stop jumping off the deck, 
I said, jump off the deck right here. Y'all following this? This is the spot. This, isn't this amazing? And I go jump. Every time I would jump, I would jump off that side. Y'all following me? So we use the accelerator. Healthy discipline isn't always about no, 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 no. Healthy discipline is about leading them to what they should have in their lives. Ages 5 to 12. Can y'all keep going with me here? Ages 5. This is our plan. We wanted to training, we're training them to learn values and the reason why. Values and the reason why. Just saying because I said so doesn't work. If you taught them well zero to five, they'll trust you in the moment to say, don't do it right now. But afterwards, you have to give them the value and the reason why. Early, 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 we talk to our children that, hey, hey, we, we're, we follow the Bible. And where the Bible's clear, that's what we do. You'll see lots of people who do other things. And listen, we're not angry at those people. We're, we're not speaking, you know, death to those people. We're not speaking negatively to those people, but we hold to a value system that was created by God. Amen, everybody? And here's why we do that. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. We have a value system that's not based on my good ideas. We have a value system that, that was clearly laid out in scripture that we're going to hold on to. And so in this idea of training, we, we kind of have a, a few different approaches. We, we call it the opposite extremes. We have the authoritative one. Do it because I said so. And then we have the permissive one. Oh, they just got to try some things. They got to try some things. Listen, running in the road does not need to be tried by a six-year-old. Come on. There's some things that just don't need to be done. We can help them to get around those things. We don't want to be authoritative or permissive. We want to be biblical. Can I say that again? We don't want to be authoritative. I don't want to control the future of my children's lives. But I don't also want to, I have to hold the tension. And the biblical tension is here's what we believe and here's why, here's why we believe that in our lives. And so we have to be careful not to just say no. The parents of John and Tim Foreman, if you're unfamiliar with who they are, they're the lead singer and lead guitar singer for the band Switchfoot. They wrote a book called Raising Big Picture Kids, and they say this about the term, about saying no. It's not going to be on screen. Just listen. It says no is a commanding word, an unintended statement of worth. Instead of targeting behavior, we want to step back and see what matters most, the relationship. Our children need to see their meaningful roles in the bigger story that is outside of their small lives. When you take time to say, this is why we do these things with our money. This is why we serve on Sunday. This is why you're training them in righteousness. And it's important to do. The next we get to age 12 to 19, and here we're coaching them to see their potential and purpose in life. If you taught discipline, respect, and obey zero to five, right, and you started training them in values and the reason why, here you got to start giving them just enough rope to start trying some things out. This happened uh, just yesterday. We were getting in the truck to, to, to leave, and uh, Caleb said, Hey, Dad, can I drive home? He's 14. 
said, absolutely not. He said, why? I said, because you're 14. <laughs> it's illegal. And you've never driven like outside of like a country road. This, this, y'all are just like, okay, that's, that makes sense. Can y'all just say that makes sense? I just want him to hear it right now. But he said, he said, well, when, are you, when are we going to do this? I said, well, we'll take mom's car. <laughs> and we'll go to the parking lot over here, right, where there are, you know, there are lines to tell you where to go, but there are nothing you can hit. There, there's going to be a, a little bit of rope at the right time. Does that make sense, you guys? And our world is trying to do things in places that aren't, there aren't supposed to be done. Because we're trying to be so permissive between 12 and 19, we're trying to let them do things that they're supposed to do 20 to 30. And so we're building dating environments at 13 that should be at 23. Y'all hearing this today? Uh, we're building what I call environments where we're practicing divorce 12 to 19. And then kind of saying, like, you got to have your fun now because marriage, marriage is getting with that ball and chain. And can I just tell you, it's the other way around. Everything that happens 12 to 19 outside of God's plan creates a ball and chain in your life. And when you follow God's plan, everything that happens after that is like freeing and liberating and exciting. Listen, listen, I want young person, teenager in the room. God designed sex. God designed joy. God designed all this. Listen, the devil is not the creator of these things. God is. And God just says, this is the place that everything happens really, really well. You get in this window, 12 to 19, it will likely harm you and do things in your life that you regret for the long haul. Now, can God redeem our mistakes? Come on, somebody. Hey, can, can, can God redeem our mistakes? Somebody over here. Yeah, yeah, he can. But listen, should we start with that plan? Should we say, well, like, you know what? Well, you know, if I had a child at 14... Is that the plan in our society? No, come on, somebody. <laughs> Getting quiet on that one. But I just want to encourage you, 12 to 19, you give enough rope, but not enough for them to hang themselves. You, you give enough space for them to grow, but, but not enough, right, to where they can really harm themselves. And you're going to refer them back to values and the reason why. And if values and the reason why don't work, then you go back to respect, honor, and obey. Y'all hearing this, right? But you, you always revert back to in the coaching phase. Proverbs 20 and 5 says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Parent, you are supposed to be the person of insight. And if you don't know your purpose and reason why you exist, you need to go to the next steps today at 5 p.m. to help us connect some dots so that you can be the person of insight for your 12, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old child so that you can come along and say, man, I see this gift in your life. I see this ability in your life. I think you ought to lean into that. I think you ought to pursue that environment. And listen, our 12 to 19 will be coaching them toward their potential and their purpose. This is what God intends for us to do. We need to help them discover uh, that they were designed for a destiny. We shouldn't try to live vicariously through them. Can I say that, somebody? Some of y'all are like so passionate about baseball because you, you, you think if they make it, you make it. I, I, can I just, this may be, maybe I shouldn't say this, but if you didn't make it back then, it's okay, but you didn't.
1 Corinthians 15 and 33. Let's move on to Scripture. It's always safer. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. The 12 to 19, you're pushing them towards purpose and away from bad people. You're pushing them towards potential and, and steering them around pitfalls, right? To lead them into what hopefully adulthood looks like, age 19 and plus, where you start maintaining a mutually beneficial friendship. As you become a young adult, if you've, if you've functioned well in the other environments, as a parent, you will likely always be an advisor. You'll likely always be an encourager. You'll always be there to coach and train. But hopefully it turns into a mutually beneficial friendship where you laugh together, you hunt together, you play together, you show up, and, and, and neither are overly burdensome to the other. Y'all hearing this? This is the best case scenario that you create this environment. Proverbs 24 and 3 says it takes wisdom to have a godly family and it takes understanding to make it strong. You need to start with a plan. And and listen, helping you to understand this is really, really important to me because the age of about uh, 19, 18 to 22 is the age where most young people leave the church and don't come back. You want to know why? At that age, they age out of the youth group, the old school youth group that was designed and dynamic and fun for them. And then, so they age out because it's really weird when a 22-year-old is hanging out with a 14-year-old. Not supposed to happen that way, right? But when they age out, they show up to Sunday church, like there they're, was the, supposed to be adults, and Sunday church is so foreign from what they were into before. Sunday, does, So they're kicked out of one age group, and they feel like the next age group, age group doesn't fit them. And sin, so then they go on this journey of trying to discover something else. And then the enemy tries to make every environment look better than the church. Every concert. Every venue, every football game, and that starts becoming church to you. This is why we as a church let, let Sundays look like the youth church. Can I just tell you all welcome to our youth church right now? <laughs> Did you all really want to clap or no? <laughs> See, we let young people determine what we look like, but we let mature people determine who we are. And we've created a generational family that's inviting for where young people are running the lights right now and young people are in the production booth and young people are on the stage and mature people are on the stage and mature people are in the sound booth and the production and serving. And y'all following this? It's a family. God, God intended family. But if we aren't careful in this age range, we'll start making church about us, the older people who pay for stuff. See, if you marry the generations, the young generation provides manpower and the older generation provides money. And when you put money and manpower together, you know what you have? You have a church that prevails in a city. You have a church that grows. You have a church that flourishes because it's not about me and mine. I'm making way to pass the baton. Amen, everybody? And listen, we're, we're, we're in a season right now where, where we're living longer than ever. Do you know that? We're seeing five and maybe even getting the six generations alive at one time. Can you imagine that? Start meeting your great, great grandchildren. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. God always intended for us to see the family and enjoy the family and to be a generational church. And so sometimes if you wonder, if you're a little bit more mature and you say, well, pastor, you're 45, you need to start dressing your age. 
I just want you to know I am dressing my age. Thank you for that one clap over there. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is, if we'll take care as we mature, we'll create an environment where they're coming to us and saying, hey, what's next? Where do we go? But if we take care of just ourselves, right, and we make it about ourselves, and we make it about how I've got to get mine now, then they don't have a home and they don't have a place. And that's not what God intended, right? He intended this cycle of generation, creating a generational environment, and it is our passion. And so there are some Sundays I'm like, oh, I'm feeling a little old, you know, like, and there are some other Sundays I'm like, come on, I'm feeling young today, right? And it's a passion that comes together. The first thing we need to do is start with the plans. Everybody say, start with the plan. Second thing we need to do is now we need to strengthen your principles because in the plan you realized that we need some values and principles to make our decisions with. We can't just say, because I said so, because that's what mama did. That's how we've always done it. Well, listen, if that's how we've always done it and it hasn't worked in the past, that young person who knows everything, right? They're going to come let you know right then it doesn't work. And so we need to get back to actually having and strengthening our principles. Entry-level parenting strategy, you know what it is? Keep them alive. That's entry-level parenting. It's challenging. It's a lot. It's scary. But we need to ask, what are your kids alive, safe, and healthy for? We have to ask ourselves the question. And so some years ago, uh, Amber and I came across this book by Patrick Lencioni. It's called The Three Big Questions of a Frantic Family. And, and what he simply says is, is, is basically this, that every family has to come to a point of making decisions about their principles and their values. We, we allow organizations to have mission statements and vision statements and principles. And then in our homes, we don't do any of those things. He basically says, if you're feeling frantic in your parenting and in your life, then you need to strengthen your principles by asking three questions. Here's the first question. He says, what makes you or your family unique? So let me give it to you in an action step. Here's the first thing. I want you to identify your unique values. You have some unique values that you've built your home on and your family on. We say things like in our home, hey, we're a ministry family. We don't say dad's a pastor. No, no, we say we're a ministry family. We, we minister to people. We it's part of our unique value that church isn't something we go to. Church is who we are. You're hearing this, right? So it's in our unique values. The Kinazaro family is centered around the church. That's our world. We're centered around family. We, we love our values. We're passionate. We have margin, generosity, and laughter. Listen, if you spend time with me, I am probably more sarcastic than you're comfortable with because I like to laugh and I like to take sometimes the most awkward situation even with my kids and we just laugh we just laugh why why because laughter is like good medicine but Jeremiah 6 16 says this is what the Lord says stand at the crossroads and look ask for the ancient past ask where the good way is and walk in it and would you read the next line and you will find rest for your souls. If your home does not feel like a, an oasis and a place of rest, it could be that you've been allowing the, the, uh, the, the craziness of our world to define the values of your home. 
When our kids were earlier in their age, man, I would get home from work. My, my typical, I start really early and I try to end my day with a workout because the workout helps me flush a lot of the emotional kinds of things that I, I spend my day talking with and pastoring. So I come home and I hit a hard workout and kind of flush all that out. And then when they were young, six to eight, it was like homework, eating, bath time and get them to bed as early as possible. Come on, parents. We had like a 7.30 or 8 o'clock bedtime goal when our kids were 0 to 6. When our kids were 6 to 12, we were like, okay, you can have 15 minutes more. <laughs> Why? Because we were exhausted. And if Amber and I were going to stay in love, can y'all read between the lines? She was going to fall asleep around 9 o'clock, right? And, and if the kids, you know, <laughs> come on now, I got to help some of y'all. Y'all don't have a plan, and you're like, she never wants to make love. Well, listen, you need a plan to put them kids to bed earlier. <laughs> Second question, Patrick Lencioni says, he says, you should ask yourself, what's your top priority right now? So write it this way, identify your single most important objective for the next Two to six weeks, what's one area we can contribute that would create the most success? And as a family, you agree to it as a team. You say, hey, hey, we're heading towards this is a big event for us for, for almost most of January and a part of February. We went through 21 days of prayer. That was our focus for January. We're going to pray together as a family. We're going to fast. Do you know that our children chose something to fast each week? We didn't force them or tell them what they had to fast. We said, you should pick something and then we'll do that together. Why? That was our vision. That was, that was the play that we were calling together. But when we got to February, uh, you know, going on vacation was our family goal, right? And every week it's like, hey, let's finish that so that we can go, so that we can enjoy the time. You need to identify your single most important objective. Proverbs 17 and 24 says, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. If you want to be on the same team, you've got to tell the team where you're going. Identify your unique values, right? And then you need to set the target. And as the parents, you're setting the target. Hey, we're going this direction. Why? Because that's what's next for our family according to our values. Here's the third question. He says, we should ask ourselves, how are we maintaining it? How, how, like, how are we talking about what our actual goal is? So write it down in this way. You should check your progress regularly. So identify your unique values and based upon those values, you say, okay, in this season, we're doing these things. And then you need to come back and say, how are we actually living up to that? Because you measure what matters to you. You do. Most of you, you check your bank account really regularly. You know why? Because money matters. And that's okay. Money matters to you. But you know your family matters more than how much money you got in the bank account. Can I get a good amen out there, right? It matters more. It's like if you ask my parents how many children they have, they don't say, you know, we got like, you know, somewhere between five and ten. No, they say we have six children. Why? Why? Because you measure what matters to you. You count what matters to you. 
And so by coming back and saying we're going to strengthen our principles, we're going to make sure that we're saying, okay, if what matters to our family is making sure that you have a future because you have potential and you have a purpose, then, uh, then we're checking regularly that, that, that little college account that we started when they were born. You all following this? Some of you all say, well, that's, I, don't, I, I can't afford that. Listen, you can afford something, right? Five, ten, fifteen dollars, thirty dollars a month. You put aside and say that's that's for your potential. That's for your future. When we get together to say, hey, this is where you're going to go to next. Y'all following this? And so you check the progress regularly. Proverbs twenty-one and five says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run, but hurry and scurrying puts you further behind. Parenting on purpose starts with a plan. You need a plan. you got to have some serious understanding about where you are in the process. And listen, listen, listen. If you didn't follow those age brackets, it could be that you're now dealing with a 22-year-old that doesn't understand, honor, obey, and respect. You could have a a 17-year-old that still doesn't understand values. But here's the deal. It doesn't matter where you are in the process. God can redeem, but it's time to get back to say, hey, hey. There is someone to honor and obey. We have values. Start coaching as soon as you can. Y'all following this, right? But if you find yourself in a place where you're like, maybe we should have done, pastor, I've missed my chance. You have not. You have not. You need to start with that plan. You need to strengthen your principles. And as Danny makes his way, I want to close with this last one. Number three, you need to stay present in every situation. After now 25 years of pastoring, it sounds so long, doesn't it? I find parents, parents that as they're going through the process, sometimes the way that they interact with their children, sometimes they hurt their children's feelings, but children, you know that you hurt parents' feelings too. And sometimes there's this, this, I call it the kind of the rubber band kind of deals, like it, stretch it out and then we're so stretched, we're so frantic, we're so pushed, and then we let go and we fling ourselves to opposite ends of the house. We fling ourselves to opposite ends of the subject matter and we push ourselves further from one another. Today, my my closing thought to you is that no matter how it's gone, no matter whether you feel like it or not, the best thing to do is to go sit next to them anyway, to grab their hand anyway, to show up anyway, to not withdraw from them yourselves. Can you hear this from me? To stay present, stay present, stay present. And sometimes, sometimes you'll sense the stiff arm from your teenager, right? And it's in those moments that you kind of got to develop those football moves. Come on, swipe right that arm and you come in hard and you just hug them and hug them and hug them and you laugh and you laugh and you laugh. Come on, somebody. And you just stay present in the situation. I can tell you from years of experience that in the moments of my greatest failure as as a young person, that the thing that I'm most thankful for, my parents, mom and dad are sitting here in the second row, the thing that I'm still most present for, even when I offended them, <laughs> even when I was the wrong one that was wrong, they still stayed present. We have this rule in our family 
that we never leave an encounter without saying, I love you. Hey, I love you. We're going to make sure that no matter what happens in between our visits, that the last words we hear are, come on, say it with me. I love you. I love you. I need you to know that I'm present. I'm here. I'm not going to forget about you. The Bible says in Psalm 127 that children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. And children born to a young man and woman are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful, how joyful is the man or woman whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. I want to encourage you to stay present. As a close today, I'm going to pray for you. But before I do, I just thought I would end with a funny story. Growing up in a big family, it was always a big deal when we were going to get to go out. We were a single income family. My father was pastoring six children. How many of y'all know that that's a lot of mouths to feed? And so my parents, when we were really young, we, we weren't going out to fancy places, right? Yeah, yeah. Any, anybody remember that growing up? We were, like, we were like Mickey D's. Come on now, Mickey D's. Taco Bell. These places now that I think they're dangerous to eat at, okay? We would go to Mickey D's. It was like, you know, you could choose a cheeseburger or a plain burger. That was like, yeah, that were your choices. We weren't going crazy. There were no meal deals back in the day. We'd go, we'd go to Taco Bell. It was like you had to get the hard taco. Come on, somebody. Or the soft taco, right? <laughs> and one day my parents were loading everybody up. It was a big deal. They decided to go. What they didn't realize is that I was at the house next door playing with my friend. And my parents completely left me, y'all. They got to McDonald's and they thought I was in the back of the old Beauville Chevy van, right? We had a 15-passenger van, okay? And they thought I was just back there in the gaggle of all the kids, right? He's back there. I'm sure he's back there, right? Then they got in and when it came time to order my cheeseburger, because I always want cheese, y'all. I wasn't there. And so then, then the frantic, like, we got to find him. Where, where's Joshua, right? Where, where's Joshua? And what I love is that they came running back, right? Came running back. And then someone realized that maybe I went next door and they came busting in the house like, hey, we, we, we didn't know where you were. You know what, y'all? I had no idea they forgot me. <laughs> sometimes you're frantic about things. Sometimes you're like overwhelmed. Like, I, you know, uh, they, do they know what I'm going through? Listen, listen, listen. Your kids, yes, they recognize something, but they don't know many things. I was in there playing with my G.I. Joes, y'all. The real American hero. I've got all the slogans, by the way. For years, the cartoon would say, and now you know, and knowing is half the battle. They were frantic, and they found me. Today, I just want to close with this simple thought. If you're feeling a little frantic about your family and your kids, you've been found by God, and God has, has authorized you to find yours, to go and to stay present with would you allow me to pray for you as we close? Heavenly Father, as we take time today to study your word and to develop our principles, God, we want to start with a plan to strengthen our principles. But God, we recognize that you have stayed so present with us. And God, we want to follow that example and stay present with those around us. So for just for a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, for whatever reason you find yourself far from God, 
He's the ultimate father with open arms looking to welcome you home. You haven't messed up so much that he's so angry with you that he won't forgive and lift you. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you find yourself far from God, this is your moment to get close. Would you whisper this prayer? Say these words with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name.